This is the Mess and the Magic podcast. A space to explore the depth of our human experience. From beauty to heartbreak, confusion to clarity, agitation to breakthrough, heaviness to radiance, and everything in between. Our lives unfold right at that intersection, and that is the very juice that we are here to tap into. I am Andrea, your host, and my intention is to hold this space for the most powerful, truthful, raw, and inspiring conversations. Thank you for the time and energy you bring here today. Welcome. My loves, welcome to this episode. I'm really, really glad that you're here today, that you chose to tune in and share some of your time and your energy with me and with our very special guest for today. And before we go into me introducing our guest and actually into a conversation which is so freaking juicy and delicious, I want to introduce you to something that came to me as an image while I was walking my dog the other day and I really want to bring it as part of our podcast flow. So the image is the following, and I invite you to see it with me. (laughs) See it, sense it, feel it, whatever comes natural to you. Um, I had this image of a village and the village square. You know, this beautiful place in the middle of the village with a cobblestone underneath. And it's surrounded by houses in beautiful colors with beautiful flowers over the balconies. And the mountains are there at the backdrop of the village. And every week, people from all around the land around the village come to the market. And they come to bring their goods, the things that they have been working on through the week, their produce, All these really delicious, rich things, they bring it into the village square for market day. And this is where stories are shared, where updates are shared, where the beautiful storytellers from around the land come and share um, things that have been happening. And I thought how beautiful would be to introduce the village announcements in the podcast right at the beginning. And that's what we're gonna do. (laughs) That's the invitation and that's how I'm gonna start bringing this into the world of the mess and the magic because ultimately this podcast is is the heart of the village that Nourishing Witch is, that my business as an entity is. So short and sweet, I'll come here every time that we have a podcast episode and I'll share with you what is alive, like the kind of crafty, beautiful things that I have been weaving behind the scenes, the things that are ready, the things that are ripe, the things that um, I bring into this beautiful village square to share more with you. And one of those things that is very alive for me right now is Creatrix, which is my one-on-one mentorship program. I have been weaving her magic through for the past six months. I feel like I had the first big download of her energy around November of 2021 
And I knew the moment that she showed up that this was going to be big. And it has developed. I feel like I have gone through many experiences in the past six, seven months to be able to have what it is today. And she is robust and delicious and nutritious and so full of this quality of, of nourishment that so many of us are thirsty for, are hungry for. I, I feel like Creatrix really has brought me first this depth of understanding my role and my position within creation itself, like the wholeness of creation. And then within that, how can I be a vessel for creation? So it is a 10-week program where we get to get together every week, have a really delicious intentional session where you bring whatever is alive for you in that in that week or whatever has come for you. And paired to that, like supplemented to that, um, there are the beautiful Creatrix transmissions, which are 10 almost podcast format sessions where there's a subject and I really go deep into that. And, and we have sort of this intimate moment out of the space and time continuum where you can listen into that transmission whenever, wherever, however many times you want. And then we get to ground that delicious juice into your experience through our one-on-one session. So if you're feeling called, if this feels like a like something that you would like to discover more or explore more, please reach out. Um, we can have a conversation about it and I can share and introduce you to the beautiful world of Creatrix. And if that feels like a yes in your belly, if this feels like something that you want to to journey with, um, I'm here. I'm here for it. And I'm so I would be so delighted to go into that Creatrix journey with you. So that is the village announcement that I had for you today. Let's get rolling with the rest of our episode and let me introduce you to our guest today. So Anna Ruth Hall, oh my word, so many beautiful things to say about this woman. I met her through the Orgasmic Oracle course. She was one of the co-facilitators of that. And I journeyed with her for 11 weeks at the beginning of 2022. And then I got to meet her um, in Joshua Tree, California at the end of April. And uh, she, she really struck me every single time with her beauty, with her openness, with her embodiment of the wild woman inside of her and the expression of that. It just feels like such a liberation to see her and see what's possible. And of course, of course I wanted to bring her here. Of course I wanted to introduce you to her. Or if you already know her and you're listening to this, maybe just giving you another opportunity to bask in her medicine because it is 
one of those really delicious, delicious things to receive. So Anna believes in a world where all beings pray to the trees and make love to the soil. She believes in a world of interconnectedness where all humans see one another as unique reflections of the same source. She believes in a world where everyone has access to fresh spring water. And she believes in a world where each of us innately knows the power and the preciousness of the womb and the life-giving blood. How poetic. How poetic of an answer to asking someone, what do you believe in? Her joy of being is to show up in service as a sacred sexuality rewilding and embodiment guide who calls both women and men deeper into the pulse of their womb space, physical or energetic, their erotic energy and the mystery of life. What she loves about what she does is to witness humans open to their immense power and the erotic innocence fall in love with themselves and activate their throat chakras to express the beauty and divinity thriving inside. This year, she's also expanding into claiming herself as an artist and speaker through sharing her poetry, her music, and the verbal transmissions welling up in the depths of her being. And she loves to be known as a woman deeply rooted in her connection to her body, her womb space, her yoni, and the cycles and rhythms of life. A woman who is unafraid to speak her truth and be seen in her rawest expression. A woman who courageously walks the path of a medicine woman here to midwife the new earth into existence. And with that, allow me to welcome Anna. today and I'm so excited thank you so much for being here for sharing your time your attention your energy and your precious juice with us today it's my honor to be here Andrea thank you so much for inviting me on yeah Mm. I'm excited I love starting with a question I, I I used to do a different version of this question before the orgasmic oracle um, which was about excitement. Like, I would love to start the conversations with what are you most excited about right now? And that can be true. Or um, since the orgasmic oracle, I really, really love, like, what is most alive for you right now? Okay, what is most alive for me right now? <sighs> well, what we were just talking about before pressing record, the death of my father last week is really present in my fields and yeah just this portal of accepting death as a part of the cycle of life and and being at peace with it and um honoring all the emotions that come up and opening to the the power of death and I feel that this is in a way the closest I've been to death um and my mom and sister and I, we had a moment to, to pray over my dad's body. Um, and he was 90 for context. So he lived a beautiful life and really 
yeah, just super vibrant. And so it's, it's like this celebration of his life in a way. And at the same time, there's this like very real end to a certain relationship in the physical realm that I've had my whole life. And before I was born, you know, he's, he's a part of my creation and my story. And so to, it's like, it's like the, the medicine of surrender is super life for me because noticing the places in my life where I, something's going one direction and I want to fight it. I want to like shift something, but with death, you, you can't, it's like, okay, <laughs> there's no, nothing I could do to change the fact that my father is not here in the physical anymore. And I'm coming to peace with that and just noticing um, other areas where I'm ready to drop the fight and just be more in surrender to what's here now. Mm, mm. You know, I started with like really dropping into that, even, you know, even like last week when you announced when, you know, you said that your your dad had passed, I was like, I don't know where she is. Like, you know, by yeah. all means, we can postpone this like for as long as needed. And one of the things that, you know, it surprised me and it, and it doesn't at the same time that you were like, I'm moving through this. I'm feeling through it. And I, I want to be there. Like, let's do this. Like, let's, let's record this. Let's uh, have that really good time together. And, you know, of course you mentioned that he was 90 and he probably lived a very full life and indeed it feels more like this like closure. And I think that that, that certainly helps. Um, I feel like the closest I've been to that experience was when my father-in-law died and mm. it also brought a lot of serenity to the process. Um, I had never experienced like grief, like a serenity. I just yeah. had like the only version that I had of grief was this like tormenting rage storm. Mm -hmm. And with him, I had like the totally opposite experience of these being like these acceptance and surrender and, and, and almost like accompanying him like all the way through. And mm -hmm. then sort of like that silence afterwards. Um, I love that. Ooh, yeah. That's so well put, accompanying him all the way through and then the silence afterwards. Yeah. And and how grief has all sorts of flavors too and mm -hmm. all sorts of like different expressions and knowing the work that you do and knowing, you know, I, I've been held by you for like 11 weeks and then mm -hmm. at the retreat and like all these beautiful things and, and, and the, the things that you've taught me about like how to emotionally digest what's present through the body mm -hmm. um I wonder like how that has been present for you in this time and how yeah how has the body your relationship with your body assist assist you in this process thank you for asking that oh, <laughs> my body well yeah this morning before coming on the podcast I took a an Epsom salt bath, like magnesium infused rose essential oil, just incense. And I feel so much more in my body now than I have in the past few days. And I think in the past, I, I have experienced the death of some other people in my life. Um, but it, I feel that the breakups that I've been through have actually been like my deepest grief portals, mm. but they've been a different flavor because the person's still alive but it's like grieving this entity and there's there's more resistance and and more confusion and less peace and so to to answer your question about the body i feel like in those instances with breakups i've 
put my body's needs like on hold completely and like couldn't eat or wasn't exercising and just kind of like in a, a contracted trauma response. And uh, ironically, as I've been processing the stuff with my father, I'm also going through the ending of a different partnership, but it's not like, a, it wasn't like a big one, but still there's been a lot of grief there. And I've noticed that pattern come up where I'm like, I want to freeze. And every time that comes up, it's like when I, when I actually breathe deeply, because that's when, I, when, I, when I'm in, in contraction, I'm not breathing deeply. I'm not in my body. I'm not like infusing my body with life force energy because that would mean feeling. And so that's part of why I put my body's needs on hold when I'm going through these intense processes because it's scary to actually like be in the body because you can't look away from the emotions that are there. And so I've noticed those, those start to come up and especially when I'm like in the house of my mom and sister and I, and all of our energies are like, it's like, oh my God, (laughs) you just freeze. But um, when I do drop into my body and I feel something that's uncomfortable, every time when I move through it, it's such a release and such an opening. And so I've been in that this past few weeks because before he passed as well, we were in the hospital. And I think that time was actually when I was a lot more contracted um, and a lot more kind of in the fight or flight, but it's just, um, yeah, I've been reminding myself to nourish myself with food, with, with orgasms, with like dance, with mm-hmm. exercise, and it hasn't been perfect, but, um, there's something that has happened the last week with his passing where I feel a lot more in my body than I did before. Cause we're not like waiting for something to happen. There's this exhale and I know there's more there. I know there's more emotion, um, to feel, but um, again, it's that reminder of like, how do I care for myself and like let this process of grieving be embodied and and let it be nourishing? Because I do believe that grief is nourishing. It's that quote that we've shared in the Grass and Gorgon talk about all the time: "Bliss is any emotion fully felt." And I don't remember whose quote that is originally, but I really believe that. And so, I think in this process, it's just me self mothering to a degree that I can feel safe enough to actually inhabit my body fully to then process the emotions that arise. Mm. 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 Like, I just feel like the, the, like I I would, I would, I was going to say the weight, but it's not like heavy. It's just like the, ah, you know, like the, the gravity of that, like in my bones, like, yes, how different it is when we can move through the that you know through big experiences like grief from a parent from an embodied place yeah so what do you feel has contributed i mean so many things but for people like that are new to you or that you know that haven't seen you has i have seen you like fully in action like what do you think has been your way into your body i mean i i think collectively we all feel that disconnect Mm -hmm. one way or another we have been disconnected because we are conditioned so (laughs) and and then there are you know people like you and people like me that are doing the work of like how do i reconnect these things you know how do Mm -hmm. i plug myself back into the body and i wonder if you want to share with us a little bit about how that journey has been for you of course this probably has like bajillion stories uh but wherever you want to take it is perfect yes 
Oh, such a good question. Yeah, because in a society of like the mind being emphasized and just productivity, like how does one and how but and how have I done that? I mean, I think in part it's it's always been in my nature to inhabit my body. And I danced for a long time when I was younger and um, got into yoga in high school. And so I've always felt like just a need to be in my body. And um, being in, in college, there was a lot of times when I would not be in my body. And I, and similarly with to the grieving and knowing that when I breathe deeply into my body, I feel it was like, I knew that if I danced all the time and did yoga, I would be reminded of like my, my power and my life force energy. And that then being in school and like writing essays all night would feel so insignificant that I couldn't be there. And so there was this dance of like, I, I felt like I needed to suppress my embodiment to actually show up in this system that is so not in the body. Um, and yeah, so, so what has gotten me into my body? I mean, there's so many things, but one of the biggest things is my relationship with my sexuality and my yoni. And, um, I, so yeah, now being like deep in the sacred sexuality world, it's like that my, my Eros erotic energy is such a part of my life. And it has not always been like that. It's, it's been the opposite. And I felt super disconnected from my yoni and from my orgasm and from just any sort of pleasure in, yeah, just, just receiving pleasure in many areas of life, but especially sexually. And so as I started to well, okay, I'll, I'll try to make this brief, but, but basically I, I um, was <laughs> frustrated with how I would feel in sexual context because it wouldn't be that I felt pain. It would be that I felt nothing. It was just like this deep numbness inside of my yoni and um, a lack of my erotic energy. I'd feel it in certain moments, but when I was being touched or having sex, I would just like not feel anything. And I was like, what? is this? So I started without knowing what it was, just doing rituals with myself where I would like go and touch parts of my yoni and be like, okay, I'm just going to feel this. And it was, would start with numbness and then it would start to move. And maybe there'd be rage or guilt, guilt and shame were like the biggest ones by far, just this like repulsion with my own body, like disgust and like moving through those emotions. So I was like, okay, this isn't, I didn't have context for it yet. I was like, kind of masturbation but not really because I'm not feeling pleasure right now but I'm like moving something and so I would do these rituals with myself um and then I I had a few partnerships especially with women that was like a huge thing for me that really helped me come into my body more and into my sexual power and sovereignty was being in relationships with women who had similar patterns but would hold space for my depth of emotion that, that would come up once I moved through the numbness it was like a lot of tears and just like mm. being in sexual situations then like everything needs to stop because I'm just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and like not knowing why but unlocking all this emotion and so there are a few years of that kind of like being in these partnerships where I felt held and safe still not experiencing deep pleasure but starting to feel something but frustrated <laughs> by like not being able to just like be sexy and like turn it on because that's what we're told mm. we have to do um but then I started working with the Jade A and encountered my mentor, Aya Kamanakai, who's like deep in the, the womb work world. And that was incredible. Cause I was like, oh my God, wait, this exists. Like women are doing this. Oh my God. And so I was like, for <laughs> <Sorry>. millennia. <laughs> yes, right? Oh my God. Like our ancestors did this. It's not a new thing. 
Um, and mm. so that was just like this deep homecoming where I was like, wait, okay, I'm not one, I'm not crazy for feeling numbness in my yoni. I'm like not crazy for crying during sex or being angry during sex. Like it's all part of the same energy and like that rage that I feel, what like in my yoni when I'm having sex, like, oh, that can be pleasure in the next moment. Like it doesn't have to, one doesn't limit or inhibit the other. And so that was incredible. And basically since um, working with her with the Jade Egg and doing this uh, women's sexuality retreat and I've been on like a deep path with her and with others in the sacred sexuality world and so moving into that realm and unlocking my sexual power and deep pleasure and um, claiming it and that has really brought me into my body in a whole new way I can feel it. I can see it. I've been <laughs> the receptor of that. So yes to all of that. And yes to what we just said about these practices being like old as age, you know? Yes. Women have been doing this forever. It's just that, you know, we have had to go undercover and and not, you know, not fully own our power because it has not always been safe to do that. And yet here we are you know, in a context that allows a lot more freedom that, you know, probably in the past hundred years, hundreds of years, not even just hundred years, but hundreds of years. Um, and I know that you, you facilitate this work. You have done it for yourself. I've seen you. I've, I've been received like, again, the receptor of your transmission. And what do you feel is, I mean, the yoni and like the womb is like such a store of of emotions that are not felt of like so much things so if someone listening to this is like man like I'm there like I know yeah. I'm there and I'm in like in that space and there's a lot that comes up of course this is nuanced and detailed and this would be like tailored to you if you this is your path but ah let me see like what I'm trying to ask there's a lot of emotions that were there. Why is that? Mm, great. That's a great question. Why is that? Well, it could be for many reasons, but it the womb space, the yoni, I feel like we've come to use as a closet for any emotion that's too big and too powerful to feel. And growing up in a society and in family structures for many of us where sexuality was not talked about and the intuition was not considered real or valuable mm. that power within us hasn't knowing what where to go or how to be processed and so that space has just been like compressed and and most of us haven't had tools of like how to really like inhabit the body and feel our own connection to source energy through our womb space through our yoni and so we've just kind of like shut everything down and made it numb because if we were to feel it we wouldn't have like it would have we would have been and many people are just called crazy or you know just all of these different um, mental disorders quote unquote um of people that are just in tune with with their bodies and feeling their emotions mm. yeah mm. you mentioned something very subtle but i think it's so key and it has definitely repositioned myself within my own body and is like that the intuition is in the body like it's it, like intuition mm -hmm. is a low womb pelvic bowl situation <laughs> it's not this like 
third like the third eye I think is beautiful for many things but I feel somehow that for me again like this very personal like when I when I was placing my intuition sort of like my intuition center like in the center of my head it just felt so hard to access as of like when I started like descending really into my body into the experience of what it is to to you know to to live more there it's like oh you know this whole other mm. layer of access sort of started coming online and and I wonder first if you've had like a similar experience and and second why is it important to make that shift if anything oh my god I'm so happy you asked this question because this is so good and so juicy and like what I think the world needs to hear and especially within the yeah just the world of, of spirituality and when we're okay the path of of ascension if we think of like silent seated meditation we have this beautiful buddha behind me <laughs> this is my mom's meditation room and i the the path of ascension is beautiful it's, it's just not complete it's only part of the whole of the human experience and there can be a, such a focus on like i'm going to reach god i'm gonna like i'm gonna get there and it's a very upwards. quote unquote upwards yeah and masculine view and when i say masculine it doesn't mean man or woman it's it's um one side of this of the spectrum that's this more like direct dynamic penetrative energy which we need in life we, we definitely need all of the nuances but we we um can't forget about the waves of the feminine and so it's very frustrating and tragic in some ways that when coming on into a path of spirituality that many of us are told like okay just like focus on the silence focus on like the third eye get out of the body and basically don't feel don't feel your emotions like they're, they're all illusions don't feel your rage don't feel your shame don't feel your guilt like no, no no that's an illusion just throw it out like just get that just get to source and when we're doing that, we're like reinforcing the patterns of suppressing our body's wisdom and the same way of being told in class to like sit still, like, no, you can't pee because you didn't pee at lunch. Like just like ignore your, your body, just sit still. And it's that same, that same masculine um, force that has been dominating our world for so long. Um, yeah, so I have had a very similar experience. And um, when I started to encounter communities like ecstatic dance, ecstatic dance was like, mind-blowing for me because also having grown up and been doing ballet and tap and jazz and these very like regimented forms of dance I was like oh my god I can actually like move through a space without needing to point my toes <laughs> like without needing to do anything <laughs> in a certain way and and it's this um remembrance of mm. the the body's language and understanding that, that that is sacred too. Like, yes, this path of ascension is sacred and the path of descension, as you mentioned, Andrea, like that is like how we get in touch with, with the womb space and with the blood because down like in the body, it's not all like bright white light. It's dark, it's the cave, it's the, and that's also creation. And so I think that, yeah, there's this sort of, um, yeah, giving ourselves the permission to believe that our bodies have wisdom and that, another vessel to the divine is through actually being in the body, moving our hips, breathing into our yoni and feeling the emotion that lives there. Mm. Mm. <sighs> ah. And what I, what I have felt, and this is something that I feel like I'm more subtly 
in different areas moving towards. It's like, I feel like I came, I came through this spiritual understanding or like spiritual experience through that very masculine energy. I've sort of like explored now what it is, the transition into that feminine, more earthy body, blood. This is the instrument of wisdom. And then I'm so freaking curious what happens at the third stage where it's not like this or that, but is this and that. So it is the masculine and the feminine, the spine and, you know, and the pelvic bowl. Ultimately is the, you know, that's the freaking juice of creation. That's the thing that I'm so excited. (laughs) If you think about it, that's actually like how everything is created, right? It's the masculine energy received by the feminine energy. And then the third entity is, you know, essentially the child, whatever shape form that takes. And, and I also feel, you know, this, I think this is the overlap between your, you know, your particular work and mine is like, for us to actually access creation, we need to access the body. Like mm-hmm. creation is not a function, you know, of, of, of the mind in that way of like the conditioned mind. We have been taught, like we have been like taught that it can. And that's what I call productivity. It's like the, the difference between creation and production. It's that. It's like that mental conditioning that you can produce and call that creation, but it's not true. It's control. Yes. Controlling. It's it's managing. It's like all these things and how we are so wound up like into believing that that is creation and creation requires like such a wildness, you know, such a wild nature of, of feeling of emotion of darkness of the dark cave of all these other things that we are very scared of going into because we I essentially feel, and I don't know if this is the same, if if you feel the same, but I feel like we're just scared because we don't know how. We don't have elders that have, like, shown us the path, right? Like, we don't have people dedicated to show us how to to do it. And I think more and more we're seeing it, like, emerge. I think you and I are going to make some freaking epic elders if we're not elders right now. Oh, yes. Um, For sure, for sure, we're on that path. Um... (laughs) But yeah, I, I think there is a, we're scared of feeling because there's no modeling for it. And, and what I have definitely felt, you know, through all the practices that I've learned from you is that, you know, it is the tools for feeling and that no, you know, that as I, I am right now, I won't say like all the emotions, of course, you know, there's some that feels like really, really big. But more and more, I feel like I do have more holding. I do have more inner space to be able to be with what is rather than try to control it or shift it or change it. Um, And that when I do get to the tools or the practices, the movement, the breath, it is not to change what I'm feeling, but to feel it even more. Mm. So it can move. Yes to that. Right? And... Yeah, I, I feel like there's 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 that and and, and I'm taking also, notes over here because yeah. I love that it's not <laughs> to change what I'm feeling but to feel it more. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. And I think also, I think we in general, 
I would say like as women, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like gender women, you know, just just deep feeling people, deep, deep feeling humans. And I do believe we all have a deep degree of feeling. It's just that we just get tapped out of that. But we're seeking this. We're seeking ways of like getting deeper into our roots and and finding ways to do life because evidently what we've been trying has not been working. <laughs> Um, yeah. Can I touch on a piece that yeah, you, that you no, said? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, when you said for us to access creation, you need to access the body. I just love that phrase and concept because it's also so literal if we think about how we all got here and we think about birth and like the process of birth and that fine line between birth and death and how it's like from the beginning, it's been through the body <laughs> that we get here. Mm. And, and that is, is um, you know, the whole process of birth is also tamed down and kind of sugar-coated and um, not allowed to be like seen and felt to its its fullest. And yeah, so just if, if we, if, if there's any, there, there can really be no argument with that statement that for us to access creation, we need to access the body because that's how babies get here. That's <laughs> and how everything is, is made. Yes, that's how everything is made and it's wild and it's messy. Mm. And um what, what you were speaking to as well about the, the need for, or the third stage of like, okay, the, the masculine and then the path of ascension, the path of descension, and then activating this, this third way of like, we get to have both of those and everything in between. And there's a harmony. And I feel like that's what so many of us are really like moving into of how to balance our inner masculine, inner feminine, or whatever words you want to choose like that, the magnetic dynamic energy within the yin and yang those different polarities and finding the the union because when they create that sacred union that is how we like bring into life everything that it is that we that we're here to create and in my in my personal journey the past year especially I've been working on this concept of creating the banks to my creative river mm. so yeah, where, where I love this analogy because it's like the river is actually carving through the earth. So the wild feminine is carving the banks, but the banks are there and they're going to hold her and direct her because without the banks, then it's just water all over the land, which is beautiful. And there is a time and place for that. Absolutely. And like we're, we're powerful people here to birth a lot into the world. So we get to direct that energy. And um, yeah. And so I think that, that it's, a matter of finding ways to work with that masculine quote-unquote energy that doesn't feel repressive or restraining or like it's dimming the light of the feminine or shutting down our intuition or our power as it has done in the past but actually seeing the sacred masculine and the pure energy that's like yeah I'm here to support you like I've got your back okay go go be wild like I'm gonna hold and uplift you so you can then feel like supported to actually shine in the world in all of the wild power they have oh so love this conversation this is exactly the kind of thing that i'm tapping into right now and it feels so good uh, i wonder how that this has expressed for you in terms of your work and how you want to sh you know to keep bringing your message into the world i'm really curious if you want to share some of that with us like how how has that been for you in the sense of like the banks, the water, and where you're going. Mm. Yeah, does that make sense? Yes, yes. Mm. Thank you for asking. Yeah, well, so 
having felt um, repressed in my feminine for a long time as well, and like in the masculine, I feel that as I started to open up into the waters of my feminine, it was like, okay, now I'm fully here. And if I think of my, my first few ayahuasca ceremonies as well, it was like this big vocal opening and just like screaming and shaking and like blood in the earth and just this like, just ah, like opening of my whole being and this, um, yeah, wild feminine power that had been really condensed in my womb space coming online. And a lot of the, the big waves, like the highs and the lows and just being in that space of the feminine. And as uh, over the past few years, as I've been like, okay, how do I now bring all of this that is coming through me and that I'm learning and remembering and channeling, how do I bring this into the world? It's been a learning of how I can feel safe with the energy of the masculine within me and um, not just push away order or organization or timeliness or um, quote productivity even and how to not push that away but to be like oh this is like a this is one part of who I am but it's not all of me and I'm not afraid anymore that 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 energy of um I keep doing this motion where you can't see me. I can't see you listening, but it's this like direct hand motion that I don't need to be afraid of the directness mm. because that can actually assist me when I, when I trust. So, oh yeah, it's been about creating trust with the masculine. And it's, it's amazing that we're having this conversation right after my father's passing, because mm. there's been, you know, a, a deep love for him and many challenges in being seen by him, which I think is very common um, for many, but especially father-daughter relationships of just being like seen and recognized and valued and validated in my feminine power. And so there's been a deep lack of trust with the masculine of like, you don't see me, like you don't like understand my power in this, this um, wounded feminine mm. that has been learning within me of how to hold space for my wounded masculine and, and see like, oh, wow, like where do I shut him down? Where does he shut me down? And, and this sort of inner marriage and the last thing I'll say on this is that um, one of my friends, Clara Gomez Santos, she does a course called The Man Within. And I took her course this year. And it's all about creating like your inner avatar, of, like your inner masculine of how he wants to show up and like this inner marriage and just getting really into this concept of like the harmony of the masculine and feminine. And that has helped me so much because yeah. it's, it's been so sexy. I'm just like, oh, like my inner man is going to like show up and like he's making the money for me. And it doesn't have to be this gender. It could be your inner like inner woman, but the inner masculine energy, you know, and like, yeah, yeah that's been amazing for me. And it's not complete. Like there are ways where I'm like, he's not showing up for me how I want. <laughs> so, but the conversation is open and um, the awareness is there. Oh, wow. I freaking love, I mean, uh, the, the timing of this is just succulent because it's exactly <laughs> like what I've been journaling in my morning. Like without even knowing that this existed as an offering from someone, which I would love to get her name. I would love, yeah, yes. yeah we'll, we'll make sure that you have that information. Um, this has been coming through my journaling the past mm -hmm. few weeks, like mostly like last week. And, and now I'm starting to feel into like, yeah, you know, like, let me lean into that. And what you just said, I just had like to take that note because it's like that part of learning how to be safe with the masculine within me. What? Like the levels of that, you know, in, in so many ways I can relate to what you were saying, the, the father daughter relationship 
for me particularly, I feel I also sort of like abandon my feminine into that masculine to sort of be like a bro to my dad, you know, to be like, hey, dude, like we can, you know, like bump each other's elbows or like tap each other's on our backs because here we are. And that felt such a detriment to to who I'm, I'm essentially, you know, like that sort of overemphasizing the productivity to show up in a certain way to get that validation from my dad was like so heartbreaking for the rest of me that was like, well, we're not doing that really. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's got to be another way or a way of integrating that or or digesting that longing for for that connection and that relationship that if it's going to happen mm-hmm. awesome and if it doesn't then it's not going to be in you know at, at our detriment <laughs> and and definitely that's been a huge part of the, the the theme for me this year huge part of of course you know the work that we did through the orgasmic oracle but what you just said about being safe with my masculine like my inner masculine it's like And it's fascinating because I feel, you know, like right at the time that we're recording these, I've mentioned multiple times when I'm recording podcasts that it's the most delicious time experiment because we're here recording this. And by the time this comes out, like God knows where we're going to be, but people are going to be listening to us in all sorts of pockets of time. Anyway, I'm fascinated by that. Um, The time that we're recording this, I actually, as I was journaling one morning about this energy of like that inner masculine coming up more online and how would I like him? Like, I think that you nail it on that. Like, how would I want him to show up? Like, how do I want that energy to show up for me? For a very long time, I feel like I was just living in that. Then I had this sort of like rebellion and like breaking free of that feminine energy. And I had like and I would just wanted nothing to do with that. And I just wanted to be in the flow and like in the overflow, right? And mm-hmm. and now I'm starting to see how I need both and how like this mighty river that I'm that I am <laughs> needs yes. healthy banks as you know to hold all that water. And and that I want to do that from an integrated space within me. Of course, I have beautiful mm-hmm. relationships, I have you know, my husband is a big part of that, of that whole process. Um, and yet, uh, there is a part of that that lives within me that it's only accessed by me. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of that that is mirrored in relationships. There's a lot that I can learn in relationships. But ultimately, there's a part of all that that is just inside of me. And that it be, you know, that it, it's for me to experiment and, and tap into and, and play with ultimately. Um, I love that yeah Yeah. and it's very interesting from like how from that space actually just a friend of mine lit up like oh I actually would like his input on this like I do want his there's 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 something in his energy that I'm like yes that's that that's the kind of energy that I'm like willing to invite in that feels actually more safe you know, like it's almost like a holographic representation of what I'm constructing within me of how that masculine energy feels inside. And I, I, I love that exercise. Thank you for offering that. Yeah, absolutely. 
I, there's one thing that you mentioned that I want to touch upon as well around validation by the masculine. And you mentioned your father and how, yeah, I kind of have developed this like bro relationship at times with him. And yeah, that, that seeking of the validation from the masculine, I feel is so, it, there, there's, it's important to have compassion with ourselves in that seeking uh, because it wasn't too long ago that we actually needed, we needed a man to like survive as a woman in, in society. And this is something that my mentor Aya has really talked about how, yeah, it, that, that it's like deep in our ancestral roots that we needed a man to buy property, needed a man to like support a family, et cetera, couldn't make money. So like that, that concept of like needing validation from the masculine and then abandoning our feminine power and our wisdom is actually like a, a skill, a survival skill that's been Mm. adapted over time. So it's ancestral. And it's also from this lifetime of like adapting to being in the school schooling system and like needing to, you know, behave or like be the good girl and kind of do what we needed to, to survive. And so to really like honor in all of us, when that desire for validation comes up, especially with men or with anyone, like the the people pleaser. So many of us have that as like part of our story and and our shadow of like, I need to be liked. I like need to fit in. And, um, and it can be frustrating. Like, why, like, why can't I just like get over that? Or why am I still seeking validation? But to just honor like that, that's that, that desire to seek validation is, is innocent and, um, doesn't mean that it will be there forever, but to, to, instead of throw it out and be like, why is that there? It's like, oh, I see how you've really kept me safe and you've like allowed me to thrive at certain times. And now I get to release you because I know that I create safety in my own body. Mm. Oh, I love that. And, and yes, and, and I, you touched like the fiber, <laughs> like that word innocent is like, oh, mm. ah, that's, that is such, like, it comes from such a tender place. And if we're going back to what you were saying also before about that, that masculine energy, just holding the space and like, you know, almost like standing behind and like holding you to be able to go and do that wild thing. That like that validation seeking, I feel it's like, just like checking like behind your shoulder. Like, are you there? Mm -hmm. You know, like, Mm -hmm. are you, are you there? Like, can I actually go and do that wild thing? Like, are you going to, am I going to be supported? (laughs) Yeah. And I think that that's the, you know, if, if we can dial it down to that, that's what that, that innocent part of like, I'm about, I'm about to jump. Like, are you going to be there? Like, can I, can I count on, on, on you having my back? And of course the, you know, the experiences we've had with that, the many degrees of experiences we've had with that. Um, and how sometimes we, we do have that feeling that there is that person that we're, wanting to impress or to um bond with or connect with that is there and sometimes that it's not and Mm -hmm. and learning how to how you know how to navigate that in a you know in a way that is not inhibiting the rest and at the same time not overcompensating for you know it's not like an overcompensation or an inhibition of it so hmm Mm. so good (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh (sighs) 
Mm. Can you tell I could talk, talk to you for hours? I um, feel it too. I'm just, oh, it's so juicy. And I'm the room I'm in is like really hot because there's no AC and but but I need to keep the windows closed for the sound. So I'm just like sweating over here, like passionately <laughs> feeling <laughs> everything you're saying. Oh. Oh. <laughs> One of the other things that I feel ha- comes very clear from your work from the way that you express from the things that i've learned from you is this relationship with the menstrual blood and i would love for us to go there um Mm -hmm. i am gonna link in the show notes a live that you did on your instagram account because i watched that when i was bleeding and i was like this is the freaking most delicious thing that i could have ever (laughs) tuned into today um (laughs) I'm going to link that for you listening to this. If you're going to want to go and watch Anna um, talking about menstrual blood and, and, you know, the many ways that she works with it. But if you would like to walk us through, I don't know, wherever you want to pick it, really, whatever feels alive and true for you right now in terms of our menstrual blood. Let's go there. Mm. Yes, let's go there. I knew we were going to go there. Yes, of course. <laughs> At some point, how <I> not? <laughs> yeah. Mm. A menstrual blood. What wants to come through? Yeah. So the menstrual blood is the elixir of life. It's what we all marinate in for nine months before being born. And of course, we know this in our minds, but it's a different thing to really begin to tap into the energy of the blood. Whether or not you have a womb, whether or not you have a cycle, and of course I'm speaking from someone who does have a womb and is deeply in tune with the cycles and rhythms of my own blood and womb, and part of the work that I'm here to share with the world is that all of us have a relationship with the blood because everyone of every gender has been in that cocoon of the womb space and um i believe that as we activate that frequency of the blood mysteries and remember that this is where we come from that that's part of our collective healing on the planet is really returning to this space of the womb and um for for men as well and and those who don't have wombs to just come into this deeper listening that's beyond the words beyond the mind of this this pulse of creation because our, our, our blood is, is, is creation. Mm. And like you were saying before that the, the body is the source of creation. And, and um, yeah, it's there, you know, growing up, most of us, and some of us did, did have ceremonies where our blood was honored or grew up in families where that, that was known, but the majority of us didn't. And it's just kind of this thing of like, all right, when you turn a certain age, you're going to get your period. And it's not fun. Like, I think, that most of us have had that kind of concept like it's not going to be fun but like also you want to have it it's almost like there's all this almost competition around yeah having your 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 period it's like who has it who doesn't and there's so much that comes with you know getting it early or getting it late I was almost 16 and I lied about having my period before it happened and just like Mm. you know all this stuff that this like is somehow it makes you makes you a woman or makes you just all of these like concepts about the blood that are disconnected from the embodied experience of really having a cycle. And, mm. um, and yeah, so one of my biggest learnings with myself is bringing in this celebratory energy around the blood of like, oh my God, I get to be a vessel of creation. And every month 
I get to enter this medicine journey that is the blood because it, you know, yeah, there's so many ways we can, we can numb the experience of, of bleeding and, um, make it this thing because oh, oh, there's so much to say. Okay. So, so in our society, that's so static. It's like, there's not space for the medicine journey of the blood to happen when someone's like, Oh, I need to show up every day for like a 10 hour day at work. And then people think there's something wrong with them. Or it's like, why is my period painful? Like, why does it hurt? Like, why do I have whatever, all, all these things? It's because there's not a culture around honoring that time of the month as a, a healthy shift in our consciousness. Like our, our consciousness is shifting when we bleed. It's the time when we're most open to, to different stimuli and all of our, our senses, our prayers are more powerful. We're, we're connecting to this, this life force energy in a way that um, is very special and is, is um, deeply shamanic. And we're, you know, really able to, to the, the thinning of the veil happens and we can see and feel things that we're not always having access to other times of the month, but our culture doesn't validate that. And so usually what, what happens then if someone's experiencing immense pain, it's like, it's um, a resistance to the journey of the blood, which I totally respect and honor. And so it's like, how to, how to have com compassion for every single person's unique experience with, with your blood and with your womb space. And, um, and I know, you know, I can be here speaking about the blood and be like, oh, it's a medicine journey. And someone can have a totally different experience than that. And so I totally respect and honor that. And there's no right way to bleed. There's no, like nothing that you, you need to do or should do differently. The biggest thing is that you get to listen to how your body wants to move during that time, what your needs are. Maybe it's lots of rest. Maybe it's not. Maybe you do. Maybe you want to go swimming. You want to be outside. Maybe you feel really creative during that time. Like there's nothing that's prescriptive about it. But I think um, one of the most important things is like uh, giving ourselves permission to believe that um, we have intuitive wisdom and giving ourselves permission to let the blood unfold her secrets and mysteries when we're bleeding and creating as much space as we can around that time to be in the sacred prayer of whatever wants to arise. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Mm. It's such a, I really feel when, whenever the conversation around blood and menstruation and cycles comes through, uh, at least in, in my space, in my sphere with the people that I hang out the most is there is this almost condition, like conditioned resistance to it. What you were saying, like, we're just so praise for the go, go, go that it's just like the first reaction is like, oh no. And then behind that resistance, there's this longing for it. Mm -hmm. And and I feel so many of us don't allow ourselves to long for it because we don't know how to match our reality with it. Mm. So then it's like full yes. numbness, like on all spectrum. And it's like, you know, if you're in a situation right now where you cannot slow down enough when you have your, your, your bleed, at least coming to the realization, like to the acknowledgement that you wish it was different. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes even just that, 
you know, it, it is listening to a deeper level. And for me, um, I had the worst. I have had a very interesting like womb journey and we don't need to go all full depth into that. But certainly like two things were very, very. Um, like they really jolted me out of out of the spell that I had like sort of gone into with like this is this is the thing that I need to do one was hormonal birth control that you know I took the pill for a while got off it I felt my my life force energy coming back I was like what is this like I felt reborn and then after um I would say that I was advised by uh the medical professional of the day to get an IUD and that thing really wrecked me like full on and i didn't know why i didn't know what i just felt out of center i um you know i used to have this feeling in my solar plexus of like a buzzing you know like when <laughs> you know when like the 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 vacuum is on and you're just mm -hmm. like with that vacuum and, and it's on and you're just still going with your things and then suddenly like the vacuum is off and you're like, oh my God, I didn't know that I was like so wired by it, you know? Yes. It's almost like you can still go on with your life if the vacuum is on, but once the thing is off, you're like, <gasps> that's how I felt when I finally got that IUD off. Um, and, and, and that journey of like, quote unquote, birth, con like even just the words, and I'm obsessed with words, like people that have listened, like that listen to the podcast regularly, they know that I'm like a, a a language mm -hmm. refiner <laughs> like yeah. just the simple word of birth control is like wait what yeah. wow. wow and and the thing is you know i honor the steps that we take as society to bring these things forward i think you know evidently before women had no agency about their bodies and suddenly like these methods started appearing and they definitely gave us a freedom that we didn't had in the first place and and because this is not about and <laughs> it's like why didn't we had agency about our bodies before you know like thank you <laughs> for the question just saying yeah um so yeah that that has been you know like that has that's been the thread that has brought me into a deeper relationship with my body my cycles and my blood and I, I know for many people, it takes that route sometimes for them is, you know, the route of giving birth to a child and then, you know, realizing like all the changes and all the things that they go through. We all have our own story and, and yeah, it's fascinating, to be honest, to hear how many of us in these bodies, we just access these portals in different ways. And... Uh, I don't know where I was going, but yeah. <laughs> well, a good, <laughs> one good, a good book recommendation that's a really short read is um, Witches, Nurses, and Midwives, or I might be switching around the, the title, but Witches, Nurse, Nurses, and Midwives, something like that by Barbara Einrock and Deirdre English. And it talks about, um, yeah, the suppression of, of women's bodies and just the, the shift of medical care. 
um, mm. with yeah, the, the Roman Catholic church coming in and just the fear of connection to the birthing realms, the fear of connection to the plants and the herbs and, um, or no doctors, nurses, something, something like that. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll find a link for it, but what you said of like, um, you know, birth control and IUDs and all these forms of, um, uh, controlling our, our fertility essentially they did give women a certain freedom and so yes to honor that and the first um wave of feminism was a, really about that there was so much of like okay this empowerment of actually I can do anything a man can do now and how that was like an important step because women were not allowed to do certain things when they were bleeding or were seen as xyz because they bled so there was this like uprising of like no like let me like make my hormones the same all month. Like, look, I can do what you can do. Like I'm not bleeding. I'm doing this, this, this. So honoring the importance of that. And like you said, why did we get here in the first place? And to really dive into that is so vital. And this book has a lot of cool um, resources and just like the history behind it all. Mm, love that. We'll, we'll make sure that we get the title right and the link yeah. for that on the show notes. <laughs> and when it comes to the blood itself. Mm. You know, I know that you, you know, in that video that I'm linking here to, and I heard you talking about this in person, um, the relationship with the blood itself, like what do you feel it gives us? Or what, what would you suggest as an experiment <laughs> uh, if anyone is curious or or if that seems to keep popping up and then what to do with that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I love this question <sighs> yeah the blood the blood the blood the blood <clears throat> I mean it's it's very primal as I think of it right now, I'm like imagining what my blood smells like and this, yeah, this um, reminder that I'm an animal and that I am of the earth and that I am an inherent part of the cycles of death and life. And there's this certain like the, the wild feminine, the codes of the wild feminine, I really believe live in all of our blood. And every month when we bleed, it's a time of, of grief and release. We're, we're grieving the, this cocoon that was created and the baby that, that isn't there. And it's also grieving anything that we're letting go of within the past cycle, any incomplete projects or desires, relationships, whatever. It's this time of release. And there's this when I think of the blood, it's this beautiful like flow of releasing and receiving because we're releasing so much through the blood energetically, but there's also this like receptivity that the body opens to as we bleed. And our blood literally has stem cells in it. Mm. And stem cells have been known to cure cancer. They've been known, they're, they're the cells that, that are, ready to become any other cell in the body and so our the blood in our arms doesn't have that but the the womb blood does um and it, it has our womb has a pulse like a 
like you can feel the pulse of your womb space. You can feel like your heartbeat in your womb. Mm -hmm. And so I feel that that the blood maintains that energetic pulse and vibrancy. And yeah, when I say the blood's a medicine journey, I really mean that like the same way we can ingest ayahuasca or mushrooms or sit with hafe or any, any of the plant teachers or um, or drinking tea or anything. It's, it's the blood has a frequency as well that when we choose to commune with it, whether it's just us bleeding or whether we choose to smell our blood, give it to the earth, drink our blood, which is something I can also go on to, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, that we're, we're entering into a, a frequency that is us and beyond us. And so there's an element of the mystery. And that's why this term blood mysteries comes through. It's like, what are, what are the mysteries? And it's like, yeah, the mystery of life, the mystery of the cave, the mystery of the womb, um, this space that's between worlds. And like talking about, I feel myself kind of entering into that, that space. It's really beyond the mind. And so in, in a sense, putting words to it, it, it doesn't do, do it justice, <laughs> but there is, um, yeah, just this, this vitality that I feel. And, um, when I, so, so sometimes I will drink my blood mm-hmm. and it's, um, yeah. And when people, you know, could hear that and be like, what, what is this? This seems crazy. Yeah. Right. What, what wild, but, um, you know, if you think about, um, women eating their placenta after birth, um, and it's, it's very, it's similar concept of, of just knowing that our blood is nutritious. It has, also yeah minerals in it that our body needs and another cool thing is if you if you water your vegetables plants trees with water mixed with your moon blood for a period of time then the fruit that comes from that tree or the vegetables will have the minerals that you're deficient in they will have the minerals that you need in that carrot or in that orange when, when you're consistently watering it with your, with your blood, which is wild. So it's like the way that our blood is such a part of the the earth and a part. Yeah. It's just, it's so wise. Like there's, there's a wisdom in the blood, which of course makes sense. If you think about it being the the seed of creation for, for a a baby. Um, And yeah, and I will only drink my blood when I when it's a certain like bright red color and I tune in with it and see if it wants to be fully released and given back to the earth or if I want to ingest it. And if I'm feeling like really low energy and I need to to really show up in some way while I'm bleeding, then that's the time that I'll also be like, okay, yeah, this is, this is going to help me like feel more alive. And there's different ways. Sometimes like it'll be straight out of my moon cup. Sometimes it'll be in tea can like mix it up and especially if it's seems like a lot but you want to try it that's a good thing to do just put a little drops in tea make it tasty (laughs) um i am amazed by this because you know putting it in the on the earth check doing a blood elixir check uh gosh painting my face with it check Check. art with it check i have never tried this so yeah and I'm always in for an experiment. Yeah. Or, I didn't like, know I was going to go there today. I mean, I didn't, I don't always share it because it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's a sensitive thing that people yeah. have different opinions about, but I think it's important to, yeah, just be completely authentic. Yeah. yeah. And you know, here is the thing. It's like, take it or leave it. You don't have to. 
Exactly. Good. That this <laughs> open portal for you to do anything you want. And I call it experiment, but it, for me, it's almost like I just want to feel what that feels like. So yeah, it's about experience. It's about like, okay, nothing more safe than this physical body of mine to um, with myself into something like that. And and I love that you said like this, this, it is the mystery. And that's why you're having like a hard time finding the words because it exists beyond the mind. Anything that exists beyond the mind is a mystery and weaving it into words, it is hard. It's It doesn't come, you know... It's a struggle sometimes to weave it in words. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Thank you for receiving. Yeah. Yeah. And for you listening, like if you're here with us and you're vibing with this, <laughs> praise to you. <laughs> and if you're not also, if you're like, oh my God, this is just like, <gasps> Crazy witchcraft. Yes, indeed. Invite invitation to breathe deeper and mm -hmm. to see where these leads you. If it does lead you where we are suggesting, awesome. If it doesn't, doesn't really matter. We just enjoyed having this really, mm -hmm. really yummy conversation. Um is there anything else you want to mention around the blood? Is there anything else that wants to come through? Mm -hmm. feels pretty complete mm. yeah I think just honoring the biggest thing is like for anyone listening just honoring you what your unique journey is with the blood and so as Andrea said like if you know whatever I'm saying doesn't resonate it's not about there's nowhere to get to with the blood mm. drinking blood is not a goal oh, whatsoever yeah. it's it's like really yeah honoring what what your needs are with your womb space and letting that be enough and that it's there can be so there's like so much comparison among sisters and in spaces of of moving through um that the the comparison can arise again and the competition or whatever like oh if i'm not if i'm not doing this with this or i'm not do, i'm not a, enough of a goddess or whatever and it's like just let that shit go and like you are you are the sovereign master of your own body and that's the opposite of what like patriarchy tells us is that you need to know all of the things or you need to take all these courses to like learn how to mm. to to have an orgasm or learn how to like be a tantric or learn how to do business with your blood but to just remember that like as um people on the path of dissension we're here to remember that the answers already live within us and whatever those answers are for us is perfect yeah love that and ultimately this is also something that i just said you know it is about getting curious i feel and maybe you know like personally that doesn't have to be anyone's uh, story by no means but personally i feel you know, maybe like drinking the blood might be a little bit like far if you have never even like seen it outside of a tampon. Like, have you, you know, for me at least, like the a, a really big shift in my relationship with my blood was changing from like pads to a cup. Because mm -hmm. then I can collect it, then I can see it, then I can empty the cup where, you know, like however, wherever I choose to empty the cup, really didn't matter at the time I was just fascinated by like the colors and the content and the texture and 
And, you know, I've already used a cup for like, I don't know, six years, seven years. So it's been a while. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like going, you know, in a really interesting circle back to somewhere else where we were mentioning is it's about becoming like, it's about feeling safe with your own blood. Yes. Yes. Right? Mm. It's about reclaiming that safety that your, your blood is safe. Yes. It's pure and innocent and neutral and life force giving. Mm-hmm. How do you want to experiment? Uh, like, and, and I say experiment and it sounds a little bit like scientific, but I mean it more like, what do you want to experience with it? Yes, exactly. Do you want to experience art with it? Do you want to like feel what, like, I also remember that. And this is something that I don't talk much about, about in public. I don't know probably i'm still like working through my own third chakra but here we are here we are are working through it and i remember the the intensity that i felt in my physical body when i drew like the first lines with blood in my face Mm. like i just dipped like my finger in the blood and just like put like stripes like under my eyes and like through my nose and my forehead and there was a mighty freaking shake in that. I felt for a moment that I was activating something that I didn't know how to hold. And I was like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And then like got in the shower and, you know, like not in frenetically, but I washed it off. And he was like, whoo, what a trip. <laughs> and then afterwards, just, you know, like getting more playful with it and more and, and, and again, you know, the, developing that safe relationship with something that has been passed down the ages as something that you shouldn't like have a relationship with, you know, yes. scarred, suppressed, don't, don't look, don't nothing like stinky, gross, like all these other things. And it's like, no, what? Right. Recently. And I mean, I'm, we're, I'm, I'm going, I'm getting super, I'm, I'm activated. So I'm yes, yes, yes. Um, I, in my last period, I realized that it actually smelled like roses. <sighs> I had that moment where I, I, I was collecting it to, um, to put it in my plants outside, and I smelled it, and I was so impacted by how. It reminded, like, it, it smelled like a rose, like, you know, not like that fresh, super, like, light bud kind of thing, but more like, you know, when the rose has already bloomed fully in its glory and it's starting to decay? Is yeah. that, like, mature, soft, su- sweetness, softness? I don't know how to describe Ooh, it. And I was like, I love that. what is that? Like... <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, oh, so yeah. Um, this is not very much part of like the things that I normally share with. But who in in which better company would I like share <laughs> this story if it's if it's not with Vanna's company? So <laughs> I'm so glad yes. that we're going there and we're sharing this. Is there anything Me like too. that that has happened Thank to you? you, like in your own journey, any particular mm. experience with your own blood that you were like, whoa? If you want to share with us, if you feel comfortable. Yes. Yeah, thank you for sharing vulnerably and for just bringing all of that up. And um, yeah, and just talking about the like 
creating safety with your own blood and that is so vital and yeah just this this level of, of intimacy with the blood that has been um shamed away or said that that's not okay to have but to rebuild that so I really appreciate bringing that forward and for myself yeah I've had so many moments of like such powerful activations with the blood and and when you were putting on your face and that what you said of this activating something that's like almost too great for you to hold like that definitely resonated with me and um one of the the womb journeys I, I did with my mentor Aya um several years ago we were on the big island of Hawaii and um we were having a little ceremony in this like grove near the ocean and she has so my blood elixir I didn't talk about that but just briefly um I, I learned this from Aya and I started creating an elixir every time I bleed and then adding um you can do any type of alcohol she, I think she does brandy you can do organic cane alcohol vodka and that preserves it and then you can put in like some essential oils like rose or things like that and just you still smell the blood but you also smell the rose and it's beautiful and so she um had her elixir in the center in a goblet of blood and we're doing this whole ritual of just like cleaning our womb space and you know you can part of it was like you can go to the center you can anoint yourself with the blood if you want or not you can just pray over it and so of course I was like yes I'm anointing myself with blood and so I like anointed my whole throat because I was like throat chakra activation I've been healing this autoimmune disorder of the thyroid Hashimoto's and I was like okay I'm reclaiming my throat and I put it on put the blood on and I had done this before with her and I'd been like experimenting with my own blood but this particular activation was just so like it was just the fact that it was all over my throat and we were like in this energy towards the end of our retreat and in, in Hawaii and we at the after we all anointed ourselves we had some time in nature and so I went off onto the rocks and immediately like I stood up and I really felt like I was sitting with ayahuasca. I was like, oh, like just full on like my, because often I was sharing how the medicine moves me is like vocal activation. And I was just like, like screaming and sounding and singing and just this like powerful voice of my womb is what it felt like was just coming up. I was like, I, I like felt my yoni relaxing my cervix, like opening and I was just like dropping into the womb and this like sound was coming out through my voice and it was powerful it was mm. super potent and in that moment especially I was like never never will I underestimate the power of blood <laughs> wow thank you yeah, yeah. yeah. thanks yeah. for asking mm, you're very welcome and you're very welcome to share your experiences with us if you've had any kind of experience like this um yeah you can roll into my dms you can probably message anna also saying that you Please. were activated by this <laughs> and that you just wanted to share your story um because i do believe there's you know there are layers to our expression of this as i said you know these are things that i feel very familiar and very comfortable doing in my space with no eyes like looking you know in, in these I, I've sort of like I feel like I've broke through the level of like that being even like a taboo to myself like right. I feel like I'm more comfortable with that in myself in relationship with others is still like wait what where am I standing depends on you know the person obviously and it depends on the safety that I feel about that 
Um, and then I feel like, you know, like where you're at, for example, like that if this is a fundamental part of your work, this is fundamentally part of like what you want to express and share and create and help like bring into the world, um, which is, you know, the thing that I really appreciate and love about the things that you do and how you do it and how you express yourself with this. It's like, ooh, I can, I can, it's almost like I can jump into your own river. You know what I mean? Like I can jump into your river and allow you to carry me with this, like, further along the path and um yeah so you know wherever yeah. you are at with this journey is perfect wherever you feel like your curiosity is leaning towards or like inviting you into go for it and yeah and if there's stories or things that you want to share with us i yeah we're both here to to read to listen to yeah to guide if you choose to work with anna freaking amazing <laughs> We'll have all her details in the in the show notes and you can contact her and follow her and all the things. And mm. is there any last things that you feel like, you know, that you want to bring into the space? It can be a yes, it can be a no. You're very complete and that's great. Yeah, I think the one thing which we've touched upon throughout the whole podcast as well, but, you know, earlier when you were saying like, what if I was sharing my story of sexuality and you're saying, what if someone is there and like in that, that space of like contraction around sexuality or the blood or emotions, whatever it is. And I feel like the biggest thing, the most important thing is to create safety for ourselves and we we keep touching upon this concept of safety but I feel like that's the first step to any sort of unraveling or coming deeper into our our sexual power and our pleasure is to to create safety and to not force anything um and to really yeah because that when, when our bodies feel safe enough then they will naturally release they'll naturally surrender and that is what will happen when there's that that trust and that safety and that sort of feeling of like oh like you've got my back and whether or not there's a physical person there it's like uh, ourselves creating that safety that will allow our nervous system to relax because only from that relaxed nervous system can we i believe really like fully heal and touch the places um, of emotion that that we deserve to touch, that we deserve to feel in this lifetime. And that, that safety is like that first access point to our sexual sovereignty and our pleasure and our radiance ultimately. Mm. Yeah. I love how you literally just drew a circle around everything <laughs> you just talked about. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, I just really want to have a moment to celebrate you to thank you for stepping into this really powerful, beautiful role that you are role modeling for us. I really see that and I and I'm so grateful that I, you know, that the universe thought that we were a good idea and that we got together in the most epic way, I would say, always. Mm -hmm. Um thank you for your wisdom and for your words and for the warmth of your voice i really really appreciate that i hold that it's been a delight being in your spaces and yeah giving a space for this conversation just feels so good thank mm -hmm. you
Thank you so much, Andrea. This is so juicy and empowering. And I just feel so like met and seen and just activated after talking mm -hmm. to you. And so grateful to be on my first official podcast with you. What? Oh my God. Officially, you are welcome anytime that you want <laughs> to share something with you. Like this is your house. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, so good. <laughs> so all the details to find Anna um are on the uh links below uh where do you like hanging out where can people come and connect with you um instagram is good i'm i was off instagram for a while when my account got shut down but i'm back made a new one so we can do instagram you can find me on my website send me an email as well and if you want to work with me we can talk over email yes sweet 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 Thank you very Yay. much for you being here, you sharing this glorious time with us, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I trust that if you're here, there was something you could take further along with you on your journey. If you think that this may serve someone you love, please share this episode. And if you want more of the medicine that I have to offer, come to nourishingwitch.com and there you will find all my current offerings. And if you happen to be on Instagram, come and join me at Nourishing Witch and let's make some magic. Big, big love.